Like him, I killed in the name of good. But the violence of my life pulled my soul towards the darkness. But I fought and freed my soul. Now I watch for others like me. Men are the ones who create evil on earth. It is the choices they make that enslave their souls to hell. This is the test. They wish to make a lot of money. In Europe, every American student, if more every American adult, is regarded as someone who is just out to make a lot of money. Really, 16%, 16% of these students regarded their main goal and concern in life to make a lot of money. I'm quoting literally, make a lot of money. And you know what the top class, the top category, we say category, category, what do you say? Category was among, you excuse me, but... Uh, I know I am speaking a marvelous accent without the slightest English. Now, <laughs> you, know, you know what the top category was? 78% of these American youngsters were concerned as they expressed it themselves with finding a meaning and purpose in their lives. So this is realistic, a realistic view on man. And you know, you won't believe it. Gray, uh, gray hair, my age, I started taking flying lessons recently. Do you know what my flying instructor told me? If you are starting here, wish to get here, say east, heading for this, and you have a crosswind, you will drift and you will land here, so you have to do what we pilots call a crabbing, he told me, C-R-A-B, crabbing. You have to head for north of this uh, air, airfield, and you have to fly that way, you see, as if you had it in this direction. If you are heading here above this airfield, then you will actually land here. But if you head for here, you are landing here. This holds also for man, I would say. If we, if we take man as he really is, we make him worse. But if we overestimate him, It's premature, your applause, you will soon know why. If we, if we seem to be idealists and are overestimating, overrating man, and looking at him that high, here above, you know what happens? We promote him to what he really can be. So we have to be idealists in a way, because then we'll wind up as the true, the real realist. And you know who has said this? If we take man as he is, we make him worse. But if we take man as he should be, we make him capable of becoming what he can be. 
This was not my flight instructor. This was not me. This was Goethe. He said this verbally. And now you will understand why I, in one of my writings, once said, this is the most apt maxim and motto for any psychotherapeutic activity. So if you don't recognize a young man's will to meaning, man's search for meaning, you make him worse, you make him dull, you make him frustrated, you still add and contribute to his frustration. While if you presuppose in this man, if in this so-called criminal or juvenile delinquent or drug abuse and so forth, there must be a... A, what we call spark, yeah? a spark of search for meaning. Let's recognize this. Let's presuppose it. And then you will elicit it from him and you will make him become what he in principle is capable of becoming. Welcome to Liberty Lifestyle, today's podcast from TylerBloyer.com on July 8th, 2023. This is an updates show, so today we're just going to be doing and going over recent updates with me, uh, some future work that we'll be putting out and how it's going to look over the next coming months. And basically, the idea is to really get a little bit more personal and more just me and more, uh, you know, I could be answering questions in these shows. We could take uh, questions from the audience if there were any at the moment. We don't have a lot of that to address. But the um, idea of the Liberty Lifestyle Update show is to be generally around the first episode that we put out that month, the first Saturday of the month. Uh, We're already into the second Saturday of this month, but, uh, you know, it is summer and we'll be talking about today, you know, some of the things that I've had going on that are, uh, you know, keeping me busy and keeping me going here. So that opening clip was Viktor Frankl. We've talked about Viktor Frankl quite a bit in the last few episodes, or or at least he was um, 
a part of the episodes as far as uh, quotes shared from the search for meaning, uh, man's search for meaning. Here on Info Galactic, you can see Viktor Frankl is an uh, Austrian uh, who lived from 1905 to 1997 and a psychiatrist, Holocaust survivor, and he uh, had a form of logotherapy, which is a form of existential analysis. So Viktor Frankl, again, that was more a clip that I thought, you know, it was uh, meaningful to me to share that because we've, again, you know, it's sort of a thread that we've had here with uh, Victor being featured in, I think, the Creature of Controls episode, and then also in the last uh, episode we did on, not the Liberty Lifestyle update, but on Freedom's Rising, so Unslaving the Mind, that was also. uh, So yeah, we've had the Liberty Lifestyle updates from June, then the Creature of Control episode, and now we're back to an update show. Because we haven't been hitting every Saturday putting out uh, content this last month. And so we'll go into a little bit today in these updates shows, you know, on like what I've been up to and why that is. Uh, We'll go back to this. But yeah, Victor's point there about thinking big, you know, I think that's also in line with goal setting and thinking bigger than what your goal is. Um, but he's, you know, talking about, you know, what we are sort of our expectations of people or expectations of maybe someone we're mentoring or, uh, you know, basically in the discussion there, he was talking about young men. And I think even more so today that the search for meaning and finding meaning in life and the, you know, the sort of the will to meaning, uh, philosophy and, you know, that is very powerful and something lacking, I would say, in a lot of people, you know, becoming depressed, let's say, and uh, not having a true purpose uh, or a feeling of true purpose and even a goal or things that you're working towards. So Victor Frankl there talking, obviously, you know, back some time ago in the 1950s or early 1960s, I think even more relevant today and the uh, his uh, book, The Search for Meaning, w- would be a good one to go check out or refresh with if you've already, if you're already familiar with the work. And if you're not, then I think it is an interesting uh, work to get familiar with. So that was the opening clip there. And again, we've been discussing the f- creature of control, uh, climate of control, freedoms rising. And we're going to be getting into more topics, uh, extending the thread on some of the things that we've also done in the past. But again, today's show is a, is the updates. Liberty Lifestyle is more going to be geared towards just personal me, free-flowing, uh, to- talking about topics you know that will come up each time I do a Liberty Lifestyle update to keep you updated on some of the things I've been working on. And then also just like random things that I want to talk about a little bit more loose in that way, but we will be getting back to those other formats and other topics as well. So that's what we're going to be doing today. And again, it's more just to be 
you know, me, it's a little bit more transparent in that way. It's going to be a little bit personal in some ways. I even, you know, talking about my family or even sharing pictures or uh, going into just things that I'm going through personally in life that is documenting that. Again, this is the tylerbloyer.com vlog, you could say. I do try to put out educational content to help uh, raise uh, consciousness, to help raise awareness, to help people understand more about, you know, certain topics like natural law, freedom, slavery, mind control, uh, the techniques of mind control, uh, breaking through the own problems that we have to deal with and doing the shadow work, you know, pulling out the things inside that need to be addressed and looked at through the creature of control. Um, and also, you know, the um, insights here are going to be a little bit different feeling as well. Already I'm kind of stumbling and it's not all that important to me to, to be, you know, all that accurate in the, in the Liberty Lifestyle updates show. But also we have a journey that we're trying to do as a family that does involve living a lifestyle of freedom or also instilling and protecting the idea. And, and we're not talking about corporate America freedom, freedom here or the franchise of freedom, you know, through the national government or through uh, statism. But we're talking about, obviously, you know, sometimes freedom can have different meanings depending on the context. And a lot of the blind patriotism that we see around this time of year that we saw last week on the 4th, uh, for Independence Day isn't necessarily always in alignment with what we're talking about here when it comes to freedom. So this is true freedom under natural law, not under man's law, not respecting authority in men, but respecting the authority of the creator of the creation and becoming in alignment with its laws. It's uh, the, under the laws of nature. Uh, can we truly be free and under the laws of morality and becoming a moral people in a moral society, people that don't use uh, coercion and violence and threats of violence to get their views across, and people who are, you know, graduated to a higher level of interacting with each other that does fall in alignment with what, you know, would be traditionally looked at in like the libertarian anarchist sense as the non-aggression principle. Um, but also here, what we do at tylerblair.com is we pick apart some of these ideas, and we are going to be looking much closer at things like that, the non-aggression principle, or libertarian philosophy, or libertarian economics, or anarchist philosophy, and not having a blind faith in these concepts, and not just going along with every little thing in the freedom movement, and regurgitating all the same nonsense, because as we'll discover, when we look closer, there is problems within the freedom movements, the truth movements, shocker for those out there, right? Um, but we do need to help people coming in to these circles to see that, uh, you know, sometimes even these things need to be questioned, and not just sometimes, but all the time. We need to be looking more closely at the truth or, you know, patriot mythology, the even the anarchist philosophy and the way that it's portrayed in a lot of circles. And the various uh, ways that these things can be picked apart needs to be done. And as I go on and do more work work, where we're actually trying to look at philosophical topics and uh, compare and contrast and pick apart the contradictions, 
more and more, we're going to be focusing that light on the so-called freedom community, the truth community, and helping people uh, to expose a lot of the shenanigans, a lot of the fuckery that goes on in these circles, because there is quite a bit of fuckery that goes on within the freedom community. And it's not, um, you know, just running through the meadows with flowers and deer and rabbits and uh, singing birds. As soon as you become awake and involved with even trying to do projects or working with these people and within the freedom communities. And a lot of the time what you find is that you know, and, and this will be taken the wrong way, but a lot of the time what you find is that normal people, quote-unquote normies, or like the regular old statist guy down the street, or the Trump supporters, or the Biden supporters, or the whatever, um, those people, if you can just kind of veer away from getting into controversial topics, uh, and sort of, yeah, just get to know the person, and get to know what they're about, a lot of the time they're more they're people that you would actually be attracted to hang out with more on a regular basis, let's say, or just go shoot the shit with, than your average person in the quote-unquote awake, you know, freedom, truth community. A lot of the time, those people are actually off the rails. They have all sorts of emotional problems, or they have like a, look at me, I want to be the influencer, um, attention-gathering person, a lot of the time they're trying to sell a service or uh, trying to make their livelihood on the fact that they're giving you the truth or the fact that they're in the truth community. And I'm not trying to like undercut uh, genuine teachers out there or say that there aren't any or something like that or that everybody is this way. We're not throwing blanket statements, but it is patterns that you'll see. It is a pattern. It, there are these things that come up with people, you start to feel the pattern, you start to be affected by it, you get burned by the pattern. So, you know, we're, we're going to stick true to what we can see and what we've actually been through here on this uh, future shows that I'm talking about. Well, we'll be actually be digging in and, again, exposing the bullshit within the communities of, you know, freedom community, anarchy community, truth community, uh, the people that are actually probably more full of shit than like almost anybody else out there and more off their rocker than anyone else out there. And in saying all this, I'm not discounting people trying to put out information. Again, if you're genuinely out there putting out information, trying to educate people and that's your thing, or you even feel like that's your meaning in life, you know, to go back to Frankel, or that that's, you know, your calling, or that's what you're going to do to help change the planet. And there's a genuine passion and a genuine effort to go do that. We're not necessarily talking about you. What we're talking about is the movement traps, as I call it. And so we'll be getting into that more uh, later in this episode. Again, today is not a movement traps episode, although some parts of it may feel that way. Today, we're just going to get into it uh, with some announcements to start out, and then I'll provide uh, some updates, and then we'll wrap up the show. It shouldn't be too long of an episode either, compared to some of the two or three hour episodes that we are known to put out here, um, but uh, more so like an hour, hour and a half type of an episode. Um, again, they just help, it helps me to stay more 
uh, in flow with content creation as it can get bogged down in the details. You can get a little overwhelmed with some of the things that uh, come up when you're trying to do uh, topics on information that I do. Um, It's not so easy just to throw together. There's no uh, magical helpers that come in and help me put those types of things together. So the updates show is also a break in the pattern for me, even in the back end workflow to be able to sort of, you know, not be so focused on creating slides that week for this particular episode. Um, again, on f- f- today, we'll be going on freedomsrising.live and we are live on that. So you can go to freedomsrising.live and watch the stream if you're having any issues on the Odyssey. You can be here on freedomsrising.live, which is a different platform, and it's actually on Twitch. And then also when the show's over, as long as I remember, it switches back to the regular 24-hour loop that Freedoms Rising plays, which is what freedomsrising.live is, is a 24-7 live stream. There's also a series of episodes that I put out on freedomsrising.live, and this project is uh, still alive. It's not uh, going anywhere. There's a lot of work I have to do to make this more Web3 uh, resilient. Uh, there are, are some things that we've done to try to show how we can do indelible publishing to the internet, and we were successful in that. It's just that, you know, there's platforms out there like Odyssey. There's platforms out there like BitChute or uh, Rumble and things like that that are making it so we can still get our voices out there. As you may know, I was banned off of YouTube after many years of putting my content there and probably had a bigger audience there than anywhere else I have online as far as people watching the content. But we're not going to go back to YouTube. We're not going to uh, promote that platform. We think uh, YouTube are evil Nazis for the censorship that they do do and the things that they're contradict them own, own selves on. For example, like the, uh, there's been RFK going around talking about the evidence that, you know, the CIA has, was assa- involved in the assassination of JFK, his uncle. And uh, of course those videos are getting taken down, right? Because, but it's, but at the same time, the evidence even more so now, if you go look at the actual evidence does point to this fact and uh it's not like a um something out there that can't be looked into and can't you can't find that there is a lot of evidence that points to the involvement of the CIA the direct involvement you know of the assassination of JFK and this is still being covered up this many years later and people are still being censored when these opinions should and not just opinions but some of the facts should be allowed to be out there But of course, as we talked about with the Oswald Institute of Virology, right, in the more recent times with the whole COVID scandal, was that they would paint the picture of the Wuhan Institute of Virology eventually as being, oh yeah, this is where it leaked out of. If it did leak, it leaked out of China, right? Um, We saw that coming from three years ago away, and of course, were censored and banned and taken down for mentioning all the ties between uh, the NIH and NIAID and the um, Wuhan Institute of Virology through EcoHealth Alliance and Peter Dejak 
and the Wu and the Bat Lady, Shi Jing Li, and their findings, and that this was not all just coincidence. That in fact, uh, the military, the United States military, the uh, DARPA had been studying these things, doing gain of function on these things, and conveniently transferred the knowledge and the know-how and uh, the funding even to Wuhan. And then, oh, it's this lab leak, it's the wet market, it's the pangolin, fucked a bat thing. And uh, But then it ended up being, oh, well now, now just recently, evidence is coming out that there was a leak at the Wuhan, it most likely would have been a leak at the Wuhan Institute. So they're not going to tie it back to the United States. They're not going to tie it back to other countries that may have been involved, like Great Britain, uh, or anything that has to do with, uh, you know, our own people, quote-unquote, Anthony Fauci, or anything like that. And they're definitely not going to go back and to apologize about the people like myself that were exposing that, and going through and showing their own documents, and not just making stuff up, but actually showing the references and the materials and the things, and the Whitney Webb article from... Uh, 2019, uh, from showing the ties between DARPA and gain of function technology and their intentions, or going back to uh, the uh, what was it? I wanted to say the League of Nations, but that's not what it was. The uh, project for a new American century documents now it came back into my head uh showing that there were plans in the early 2000s to make gain of function bioweapons that would be race specific and how that would be very useful as a weapon uh and, ex and going back and actually showing the documents that that quote this but you know it's okay to take me down and censor me on all these different different various platforms um, even though now that's the story that's being put out on the other side, exactly like I said, um, that eventually the Wuhan Institute of Virology would be blamed as where the leak came from, right? That was obviously going to be the plan of why the whole talking about it coming out of China and things like that. Anyhow, so freedomsrising.live, you can find uh, the stream there. And uh, moving on. We'll go into the next slide, which is where you can find my work as well in the One Great Work Network. OneGreatWorkNetwork.com, uh, where the creators there are ending slavery one mind at a time. Uh, because they, we uh, that's where I was inspired to create my 24 7 live stream, was through the 24 7 live stream. Uh, concept over at freedomsrising.live. Um, thank you to Mark Passio, who has taken the time out uh, to build this project and help maintain it and help, you know, keep the back end going to keep these v different various content creators that are on the website platformed. Uh, so you can go to the one great work network.com and check out all the different creators there as well as my work. And uh, there's a way to donate through there. Uh, and also there's a feed. If you go to all, you'll see like all the posts that have been done uh, in chronological order. So things that are coming up as they're coming out that people are putting out the work. And 
then there's also the live stream creators schedule. There's people that do actually do a live on the feed as well. And there's a content creator schedule there to see that. Again, the next thing that's coming up that I'll be involved in in helping to produce is going to be the Seed 5 Metamorphosis Conference. I'll be running the buttons in the background, pushing the buttons and helping to keep the stream alive. And we'll talk about today how I actually have some additional redundancy built in now that I can use in case there's any, you know, issues. I People don't like when you bring up issues because they think that that's going to make the issue happen. But especially in what I do for a living and also just the way that I kind of think in general is always planning and thinking about what could happen that you might want to prepare for and planning redundancy, fault tolerance, failover, disaster recovery plans into, you know, how I produce something like a live online event. And so we're building in those systems and uh, adding to them as well as, you know, utilizing the infrastructure that's already there that I have for that. But anyways, this is in September, so still might seem like a little bit of a ways out, but it's actually not. It's coming up real quick, just a few months away, September 23rd and 24th. This will be a free online conference about the occult, esotericism, freedom, history, philosophy, symbolism, and natural law. Wake up. Freedom's on the rise. That's right. I got my little soundboard that might come into play here a little bit more later. But, you know, we do need uh, more of these online events like this to be held and organized by people, I would say. And so the fact that uh, Brandon is stepping up and doing the fifth version of this and uh, pulling all these great content creators together again, um, it should be an interesting one to watch so try to be there live and if not then i'm sure then you can also catch the replay but you can find more at seedtruth.com regarding that conference we need more psychology oh wrong button sorry (laughs) okay so again We'll discuss that more as the event approaches. Today, we're going back to doing the theme of Liberty Lifestyle, a theme that I started doing when I was doing an interview series talking about other people's lives of liberty, and we may bring some special guests back on again to continue on with that project, basically of discussing how and to live a lifestyle of liberty. And it's not just, oh, you just become a voluntarist and claim that you love Bitcoin and anarchy and then you're free. Like as anyone knows who's traveled down the path of a journey towards more lifestyle of liberty, it's not all that simple. It is, but it isn't. You don't just, you know, wake up and you're free because you like freedom. Um, There's something else more going on behind the scenes and we're going to be going into depth on that. So this isn't going to just be surface level oh, you know, it's so great that we have chickens and we're out in the country and we're not da-da-da. We're going to talk about falling into the movement traps. We're going to be discussing, again, the pitfalls of living a lifestyle of liberty and, you know, the bullshit along the way, basically, that people fall into and get off track and don't really understand what the journey's all about. Uh, Something 
that the journey is all about that we'll talk about here now is this well-being Wednesday that Cassandra, my wife Cassandra Bloyer, she was interviewed by Karen Keener, uh, Karen Sovereign, some people know her as on Facebook, uh, but the interview itself was done and released, I think, last Wednesday or the Wednesday before, and uh, worth going through to hear more about Cassandra's journey to uh, an ongoing journey to well-being. And uh, if you're interested in more about like why we do our Alt Eats uh, business together, it is Cassandra's business, but I, I try I try to help where I can. She's she's the creative person she's the genius behind the business but i do try to support her in the alt eats business and we're going to you know continue on with that and turn it into an alt life empire eventually no uh, but uh if you're interested in hearing more about her journey to well-being and how um she continues to go through that in, in dietary ways but also they talk about not just from a dietary perspective you can check that out. I will put a, a link in the show notes to this. So if you go to the website, tylerblur.com, where this episode of Liberty Lifestyle is posted, there'll be some resources down below, and that link will be there. It's also shared on my Facebook, so you can find it there. Uh, a link to that as well. All right, so getting into a little bit today of what we've been up to. Here's uh, I'll, I'll share the picture of me paddleboarding on the lake that I didn't, but shortly after this, I did fall in and there are some pictures of that. Of course, we're not going to share that here. No, I'm just kidding. We're, we, we, I discovered my new, uh, favorite thing to do out at the lake, which is, uh, fishing is great, but paddleboarding is also very fun. And we all discovered that we all like to do the paddleboarding this last time we went up and did it. And I've never done it before. I do have some experience like snowboarding and uh, jet skiing or, or wakeboarding, rather. Uh, so being on a board on the water is a little weird, but I do ended up uh, falling in shortly after this again because, you know, uh, it was a little wobbly and hard to stand up on. But we're going to probably get more paddle boards and uh, continue to hit up the lakes around here to practice our paddle boarding skills. Uh, that's one of the things. Here's Vinny. And this is up at a lake called Lee Valley Reservoir, I think it was. There's my son getting his paddle board on. There's Cassandra. And uh, my daughter Amelia getting their paddleboard on. So everybody got to ride up on the paddleboard. I'm not sure if Dante did, but we all did get in the fishing boat that my wife got me for Father's Day. And uh, although it was windy and we had a hard time and we we had to bring it back in a lot sooner than we wanted to, we did get it out there and do some fishing. We ended up tying off to the dock. Uh, so that was part of the last, you know, June like 18th or 19th through the 24th or 25th, we went up to Big Lake, and this is our new inflatable boat that we can, we, we need to get a little mo trolling motor for it or something, because once that wind picks up, man, that can be really dangerous to get out there uh, and uh, not have a way to paddle back. So we, we had a hard time even just getting a little ways back to the dock on this thing. 
But there's the kids and the fishing poles. Uh, not a lot of fish caught either on this trip, but it was a lot of fun and we really enjoyed ourselves getting out there to Big Lake, Arizona area and at a campground right near there is where we stayed for about a week. And so that was part of why I hadn't been producing the episodes last in June and a delay here getting started even back in July, just because there's a lot going on, a lot of things to deal with after and before getting these little trips together. And uh, we do have some more things coming up that we'll be doing. Um, so, But for now, that's all I have for the slide deck portion of today's discussion on updates. Uh, let's see. The other thing now that I wanted to talk about, and we'll get back into some more of this, but in the past, I was putting together content that would help people learn how to do even just like this, this uh, thing that I'm doing here, sh setting up your software, whether you're using Streamlabs or OBS or whatever, and getting set up to do something like this where you're, you can record it, you don't have to do live streaming. And, you know, some of that was done to help the people at the One Great Work Network. So when they're onboarding, if they're not quite uh, fully up to speed on how to get their content onto Twitch, which can be can then be streamed on the One Great Work Network. We, you know, had some training videos on there to get uh, people started for that. And I did all the OBS uh, their videos to help people do that. Also, in autonomy, this became a thing when I was in, more involved with the, the autonomy group, where we did like Tech Tuesdays or other things. And I ended up getting quite a bit of content together that goes over like the technical aspects of creating content mainly is what we focused on. So if you watched my stuff for a while, you've heard me talk about within the stones media network. That's the name of the label of the business that I operate. That is to help people produce content, to help people get their content out there, uh, to help people with publishing and not just like anyone and everyone in the world that I'm looking to do this with, but specific people that I want to work with that we can then come up with a digital asset management strategy and uh, how to, you know, help them produce and con publish their content as well as um, consulting on the technical side of things, uh, maybe even some motion graphics and graphics design if we're in need of those things, but then also like one-on-one -on -one technical support, hand-holding and help. Uh, on the back end of whatever aspect or phase you're in of the content production process. So with that, I want to create a classroom, a place where I can put all those videos that I just talked about that I already have, as well as new videos. So when people come to me with questions, which they do about how to do ABCD, instead of like just sharing a YouTube or whatever, like I'll have a place to put that. Now, the place that I've decided for now to go for that route will be Odyssey. And I've talked about this and I've thought about when this will actually happen. And I don't think we're going to be getting this done this year, just to give a little foresight. But I think I will be able to get it started. But to get it to the point where I want, where I'm actually able to offer that as a membership service or, you know, free membership to people that subscribe to tylerbloyer.com or something like that. 
a free tier and then maybe more advanced tier or one-on-one session counseling to go over your content production flow and consult on that. That's uh, where we're going to put the... Uh, I just lost the camera here. Let's see. But right now I'm headed for... Odyssey being the platform to do that. And not just Odyssey, but then the library protocol, which then I can then in the future have a client for for my own personal use to go and access these videos on the library blockchain. But through an interface that I build myself and maybe incorporate like the um, Noster protocol in in that way somehow uh, or something like that. But that's an update on what I'll be doing with the Within the Stones courses which will then be more about, you know, the, an offering through tylerbloyer.com that viewers of my content can then use if they're interested in getting, you know, the skill set that we're going to be teaching there about creating content. So that's the idea there. <clears throat> and again, this is a coming soon thing. It's not going to be coming very soon. It's going to be coming when I can get to it, which looks like it's going to be towards the early part of 2024 where we can actually have a point where we release this course and have it ready to go and discuss it more about as like an offer versus just now right now it's not this thing that doesn't exist quite yet so we'll get there Uh, and also coming up this month where I am preparing some additional camping trips as well and getting out uh, in in doing some vacationing with the family through late July and then middle August as well. So around that time, it'll be hard for me to put out content, but we have some plans in place to make myself a little bit more able to tether and even, you know, possibly put out some things while I'm also juggling you know, getting out into the woods and doing some camping with the family, spending time with the family and friends, uh, doing things outside, which is basically, if you if you had to ask me what I would r- want to be doing all the time, it's like being outside, doing anything that's outside, really. Um, as long as it's not crazy hot, which it has been here lately. Um, so next topic, switching topics now onto something else to get through that talk about more about the camping tethering thing that I've meant in the technical section. So for now, with the traveling and with the camping and getting out, we have livestock, we have chickens, we have small livestock, but people might wonder, well, what do you do with the chickens when you're out camping? And the answer is, uh, automation and very simple basic automation techniques such as having a way to give them a bulk amount of feed and have that slowly come out while they eat it through a basic feeder livestock feeder chicken feeder in this case and then automating the water and then we also have a very secure area that the chickens don't really love it because they're used to running around and doing they have this huge giant yard area here. Um, someday I'll show it to you. But out this window, they have a big run. So it's a coop and a run 
it's a not totally enclosed run the the top's not enclosed but it's fenced and there's this basic giant rectangle thing over here so at night chickens will just go and do their thing and get in the coop there's no like coaxing them to do that or you don't have to like train the chickens to do that they just figure it out that they go in the coop at night you close them in there they're safe at night we just leave that closed when we travel and then we have tons of food for them so they don't run out of food and then the water kicks on every day i have it set up in a way that everything gets flushed out with new fresh water so that does need to be maintained every week or two like the actual bowl basically that they drink out of i don't have like the little water feeder tap things that just let out enough little water so they can get it and it stays much cleaner that way so i still have some work to do but with that setup i'm able to leave and not have to worry so much we even have a camera right now that camera is not hooked up but you can have a security camera you can check on the birds that way and then in the summer they're not we're not worried too much about um cold obviously so uh, in the winter, you may need to worry more about like shutting the door at night. But in the summer, they're safe in there and they have a way to get in and out. And then they have shade. They have plenty of water. And again, they don't love it when we're not here and they don't have their giant yard to run around in. Uh, but they do. They are safe and they can handle, you know, a week or so or even more of being in the coop. The coop's not tiny. They have lots of square footage with the way that we had designed an upper section and then there's an underneath where they also can get in there. So there's like two stories and lots of room to hide and get away from each other if they're not getting along. So there's the newer birds that obviously it takes some time to integrate a newer flock into your brood. So with the younger chickens, we have now three different generations of chickens, I guess you could say. And each time when you add in new chickens, it takes some time for the pecking order to get all squared away. Um, there's still the one hen who's been at the top of the pecking order from the beginning, who's still at the top of the pecking order. And uh, we got rid of the big rooster uh, a few months ago because he was causing problems. So he went in a pot on the stove. Uh, mainly we would just let him be and we wanted to breed him actually, but now... Yeah, he pushed it way too far, and there's someday I'm going to get to the story of that whole thing. I, I've always had it in my notes here each show, and I don't really get to it. Like for these update shows, I've had this story of our rooster, Big Gray, that I wanted to tell, and just haven't got around to it yet. But anyway, so we do have one more rooster in the new flock, but I think because he's the new guy, and he's much smaller still, that he's not going to really get to the top in the dominance hierarchy here, but we'll see. Uh, how that works out with this new rooster. Hopefully he's ch a chill rooster. We don't get some uh, evil spawn of Satan rooster again like we did last time uh, with our rooster Big Gray, who was really like, now I understand the energy of like mean rooster. And it was a, a different kind of thing, you know, like relentlessly mean and uh, just <laughs> really not something that most people have to deal with these an animal like that around them uh but anyway the garden is the same thing we we have uh this year a raised bed that was here in this property when we moved in and then we have another raised bed that we added in both pretty decent size and then we have these big blue containers that we were able to take with us from our last 
place that we lived. So we basically have like a mobile garden with these giant like 20 gallon uh, containers that we can then take with us and not lose all the soil or the nutrients or the plants even that we have in them if we and when we move again from the place that we're at now, which will, you know, indefinitely happen. Uh, the place that we're at now isn't meant to be the permanent place that we live forever. It's more of a go-between until we can get onto a more homestead farm type property, which is what we're going for. We're still working towards that. But automation there as well. You know, we were gone. It was some of the hottest parts of the year down here, uh, you know, an hour and a half away from where I was at. And so obviously I can't stay on top of the watering if we don't have some sort of automation. Well, I did set up some automation and I used this Rainbird kit on Amazon. It's a drip irrigation landscape gardening kit. Uh, you can probably go and like find things to buy individually if you already know exactly what you want, but I'm, I'm not all that into drip irrigation. I haven't done that much of it. So I figured this would be a good thing to start with. And there's a lot of parts and things that I didn't use in the kit actually. Um, again, I think maybe if you bought just like exactly what you needed, you would know, you know, not that some of this other stuff for your setup might not be needed. But now I have some other ex extra parts and things, and really, it's not perfect, but we have, through adjusting the sprinklers on the lawn and through using this drip irrigation, we're able to keep the plants alive, some of them really thriving. Uh, some of them, you know, oh, they need a little bit extra water, they need a little extra help still. But still, it goes a long way to saving you time and also, you know, stress and oh, if you forget or something comes up and you're out late at night doing something with friends or out taking care of things and you can't get to the watering and you end up doing enough of those and you can really screw your, your garden up and especially in these really hot times if you let things dry out too much. So if anything, these irrigation systems will help you not kill your plants as easy. I mean, you can obviously overwater things, but these things really don't, if you set it up right, don't put out a ton of water so it's more about like the amount of time that you're going to do it. And then um, also, um, so that, so there's the automation. Uh, that's what's helped me because I don't like to feel like I can't go somewhere because of the things like the, the animals or the dogs or the plants. I like to still do those things, but I don't want to be locked down to where I can't take off for a week or two. And, you know, two weeks, you probably being the max without having to have a house sitter or somebody come through. Um, so when you do things like setting up a garden, set up the automation while you're at it. It really is going to save you time in the end. It's a little bit of money. Uh, you can probably find cheaper kits out, out there, cheaper things or ways to automate things. And I use that with like a timer uh, that has a, I have a four-way splitter plugged in, to a timer so the timer controls four different valves that can go to the chickens or go to the garden or I can manually turn it on to do this thing over here and then I still have I still have two unused valve positions basically because there's the garden and then the, the birds and so I could still automate two more valves on there and then I have another splitter before that so that I can just go and get regular hose action without even going through the timer right so uh, little things like that are really going to help uh, if you're into doing gardening. 
um, with time saving as well as, you know, always automate watering if you can and always have water. We only have one spigot outside of this place that I'm at now, but I've ran water all over this whole property and have the ability to, you know, put out the campfire in the back with a sprayer if I need to. Uh, The chickens are always getting taken care of. One thing I've had happen, though, with these without burying the hoses in more of a temporary setup like this is that the Arizona sun especially will just tear apart hoses. I mean, you can get some really durable hoses out there, but like your standard, even just like pretty good garden hose from the gardening store will get torn up in the sun. And I'm out there now, you know, buying all the different fittings and I just keep basically like chopping the hose at different lengths where it was messed up and throwing that out and putting a new fitting on it. And I can still use like a long piece of hose for quite a bit of stuff, even after it's starting to go bad like that. But it just continues to happen. So what I did was invest in this metal hose. And it's a stainless steel heavy-duty water hose. I did a little research on like hoses that will last. They claim that it's the last hose that you'll ever buy. And I... We'll see. It's new to me. I did run it to replace a long line that goes out to the back to the chickens. And so now they have a more reliable hose because that's one thing you really wouldn't want to happen if you were out trying to do something like be away for a week or more and, you know, something breaks down. So again, you know, redundancy, resiliency, backups, and making sure the things that you have in place aren't going to break down while you're expecting them and relying on them to work. That would not be good to have the automated watering to any livestock that you have that you think is automated and you're not going to check on it for a little bit, has something go wrong. And so I spent a little bit of extra money. The hose was extremely long. I might even try to find next time like a 125 foot one like this. So far, it seems really good. And so far, it seems like something that will last a lot longer than these rubber hoses that are, you know, just getting torn up. I guess I think I could bury them, you know, or put even just a small amount of gravel over them where they're exposed to the sun and may help them last longer. But really, again, where we're at now is much more like temporary. We're not planning on putting in like permanent infrastructure. And so these all these things I can take with me to the next place. And then, you know, once we're in a more permanent situation, we'll be able to do more permanent type things for running irrigation, like uh, water and other things like that. Uh, We'll get back to this in a minute here. The next thing that I want to talk about is uh, out of, we're going to move away from chickens and gardens and things like that into the technical updates for today. So on the technical side, I do uh, have and have gone through and got my technician's license a couple years ago for ham radio But more recently, I've been getting into uh, GMRS. And GMRS is like the general public use something or other. I forget exactly what it stands for. General mobile radio service. So it is something that you have to have uh, approval from the FCC to get on and talk on GMRS. And there's all these rules and regulations with anything that has to do with radio. Um, But I did go through and get my GMRS license because I have found that in this area that I live, which we would call in this area the White Mountains, um, most people would call it Northeast Arizona or near Sholo or whatever, but around here it's known as the mountain if you want to be real official about it. 
And on the mountain, there are lots of areas where you're traveling between cities and you don't have any cell phone service, you don't have good reception. And if you do the things that I like to do, go out with the dogs and get out away from everything and get out you know, deep into the woods, deep into nature, um, go up and do camping and hiking and fishing and hunting and boating and things like that, there's times when you have no cell phone service at all and there's plenty of things that you can think about, hopefully, Uh, that you don't have to think too hard about that could come up that would require you to have a good, solid way to communicate with people. And, of course, you can do that with ham radio, and you can do that uh, on the various uh, ham bands and frequencies on the, you know, 2-meter or 70-meter bands. Um, But GMRS is more, in my opinion, geared for, like, a local-type community-level organization and... Uh, resiliency and communication lines through uh, GMRS, the General Mobile Radio Service. And so back when I, you know, was looking how I could be helpful to a group out here that I'm associated with the tribe of Caledonia, and those Caledonians out there will, will not need me to explain that, but anybody else, um, it's sort of a, a community resilience network called the Caledonian tribe. And um, anyways, that's not the point of the discussion here. The point of the discussion here is that in order to be useful in a community like that or communities around here, or even just to my family and our safety or myself, knowing how to use these services is, in my opinion, very important. Um, Because it's one thing to even maybe just have some backup radios stored away as a prepper or what I consider should be more like modern survivalism, right? Communications is a a form of, uh, in in an emergency, you may need to use these communication channels and you don't really want to be learning how to use them then, right? So I've been learning about radio and fell into what I call the radio rabbit hole a few years back, I still have some very basic equipment, and I went ahead and got a di- a, an, an additional radio, mainly for Cassandra, is why I purchased it, so that she could have and start learning how to use and keep around a radio. Um, but then when I was fishing, I dropped my radio into the water and basically ruined it. It still works, but the display is not great. There's problems, basically. And so I've kind of commandeered her radio now a little bit while I work on getting another radio or I think I will move away from these uh, Bofang radios. These are like a Chinese handy talkie walkie talkie sort of uh, cheaper versions that are very powerful but there's better quality equipment out there and you know if you want to get started with GMRS these Baofang or Bofang UV82s are not a bad option to get started with. Um, Now, again, with all the different various regulations, there are frequencies on GMRS that would really not actually be allowed for these high-power radios. And even transmitting in low power isn't necessarily officially allowed. Uh, But, you know, again... There's one thing to adhere to and walk within the boundaries of, okay, all the stuff that they try to regulate and, you know, you can argue whether they should or shouldn't be doing that. Another thing is just to get the understanding of how to communicate with people on these modes of communication 
And that's, I think, you know, more my interest is the understanding of how to, in case I ever really need it, then I know how to do it and have the equipment around to do it versus like not like kind of being vaguely aware and not really knowing how, well, then you're probably not going to be successful in even communicating with people in the local community. The other thing is, is that like around where I live, there's all kinds of community around the radio. There's quite a few meetups. There's quite a few people that are more freedom oriented, some of them a little bit off the rocker and the prepper direction, um, kind of going a little bit more too far doom and gloom. And like they, the collapse has been happening for the last 50 years. And it's not that they're completely wrong. It's just that there's a whole mindset around this sort of like gloom and doom way of being um, that's also out there in the radio scene and community. Because a lot of the people are like doomsday, it's all coming down people. Um, Which I'm not saying that you're completely wrong. Like we are collapsing and also not. Like the old systems are always in chaos and the new ones are in chaos and everything's always sort of in chaos. And, you know, we bring order to that world. (laughs) We're the ordering principle. And uh, yeah, like even I'm slowly dying as I get older and everything. And I'm, my life is in somewhat of a collapse in that way. But it doesn't mean that, you know, we can't uh, be in harmony with a way of being that be- brings more peace, truth, and love into the world through all the chaos that's happening out there. Um, but anyway, so we'll just, you know, move on to the next topic of discussion in the technical update department would be that I got a Starlink uh, kit. And that's what I meant earlier about being able to tether more now from our home base and be out with the mobile setup. And the mobile setup also has solar from the last trip, some very basic solar, um, some very basic battery technology being used. But it works. And now we've got uh, mobile, what they call it, the Rome package of Starlink. So I Years ago, was on a waiting list, and I eventually kind of gave up and canceled my order because I was tired of waiting, and I didn't really need the extra expense. But now um, we're going to integrate that option because you can turn off and on the plan. So with the Rome package, I can have it off during the winter months or when I'm not going to be really using it, or when I need it or I know I'm going to be going on a trip with the trailer or somewhere remote, we now have the ability to get onto the Starlink Rome and have... Uh, somewhat high-speed internet from various places of where we might be going. Um, So, for example, we'll be going into an area where I know there is no service later this month, and I know that we're not going to have cell phone service. So we'll have the radios for communication should we need them for an emergency. Just think about that, like the basics of someone breaks their leg and you need emergency assistance. Someone gets severely burned and injured and you need emergency assistance or any number of things that would cause, you know, a vehicle breakdown somewhere where you're all of a sudden nobody knows where you're at and you're in the middle of nowhere with a vehicle broken down. So the radios, again, they're a form of being able to. And then again, I'm not like some super paranoid. I think all this doomsday stuff's going to happen. I am the father of a family with young children in it. Mainly when I think about this kind of stuff, it's not just so much me and I'm so myself. Oh, as long as I have my stuff, I'm good and I'm safe and I'm free. It's more about the responsibility of taking care of other people who aren't going to be thinking about these things necessarily. Like my 
six-year-old daughter isn't thinking about redundancy and communications plans when we're out trying to enjoy some time around the lake or whatever, right? That's my responsibility to think about those things. So I am able to respond in emergency situations now because I have set up these systems. So Starlink is very similar in that way, especially because I am a remote worker I have, I'm not afraid to talk about it and I'm not trying to pretend I'm somebody else. I basically have contracted under what people would call a W-2 type contract that I looked at, I look at as my choice and that I have, you know, the voluntary free will decision to terminate that contract if I want to or not. And currently I work as a network engineer and I'm actually quite proud to do so. And I love what I do and I enjoy working on the technologies that I get to work with. So the main point being there, though, is that I do require internet. And so even when I'm just here at home working, I I now have a backup system that's way more reliable than 4G, in my opinion. Um, Some of this wireless technology, even these low orbiting satellites, the speeds are actually quite impressive because the technology has really come a long way. Um, For quite a few years, I was on a WiMAX type uh, local uh, line of sight internet here that wasn't wired, it was wireless, and was quite thrilled with it. I mean, it was quite impressive how stable and how fast the technology was. So people think wireless are even in a security manner. Oh, anybody could capture your packets out of the air. It's like, oh, yeah, but then you're still relying on encryption And anyone can capture your packets off a fiber line as well, you know, through like the PRISM uh, program revealed to us that they can siphon photons out of a fiber cable just by going around a corner and having a device that basically duplicates all the information that comes out of the other side of that fiber cable. So anyway, um, you know, privacy, we were going to talk about that, but I'm not so concerned about like my my data has all got to be private. It's more about a legal definition of operating in the private, right? We'll get to that. But um, the Starlink needs an inverter now. So it's always something else, right? I need to generate uh, DC to AC power. I don't want to mess around converting the Starlink to DC. And currently I have a way to convert all that and run 120 volt uh line in the trailer that will power like you know the microwave the tv all the stuff that runs on that ac circuit but that requires me to run a generator and i do have solar charging the batteries but there's one more component that's pretty important it's the inverter right taking the dc to ac now so that i can run something like a router and starlink uh dishy without needing to fire up the generator just to do that so that's the next part of the project there to get the remote unit uh, the camping trailer basically will now be self-generating in power with backup options like the uh, generator or options at night when you need to charge the bank up. The generator is still there, but now we have the ability to keep the batteries juiced. And then the project that I'm going to be doing in the next couple of weeks is to get the inverter hooked up. I've already got the equipment list basically picked out, uh, the parts and the things that I need to get it done and the tools. And uh, it's not all that complicated, but there are definitely things with electric and uh, even these like DC systems. Obviously, you're messing with AC power as well. There are things you can really screw up if you're not uh, 
doing the proper research. I'm not an electrician. I'm not someone who's like deeply involved in doing electric work. But I'm confident enough, you know, in my YouTube university and research skills to be able to uh, successfully pull off the inverter install. And we'll keep you updated on that. Uh, hopefully, maybe I can do a little demo of the setup once it's all there. So we can show, you know, a Starlink system running on solar power, essentially. Um, nothing like, oh, that's crazy, you know, innovative, Tyler, that you're talking about these things. It's just, again, these are the things that I'm working on this month. This is what's going on. We'll be doing an inverter install. And again, um, in my network engineering realm, I'm also adding a bunch of skills this year, including uh, Python and learning how to do programming. And when it comes to more of the network engineering perspective, though, for automation, uh, network automation, network monitoring, um, even like, um, you know, testing vulnerability testing and pen testing through automation. Um, not so much because I want to become a software developer. I think you'd probably start from a bigger area of the computer science world if you're really looking to get into the world of software development. But I could then use these skills to potentially start developing scripts or some aspects of software or even eventually developing more actual UI, UX or software that I need to use for my own projects like the Within the Stones Media Network course or what we might call like the alt life uh, university where then within that there's Within the Stones courses. Um, but yeah, for now, Odyssey is going to be the main place, but also been really learning and looking into and learning more about the AI tools that are available, not just because it's, uh, oh, it's this new shiny flashy thing. I really do think, though, that AI is something worth focusing on. I wasn't planning necessarily on going that route with my own training that I do. I sort of self-train myself to do most things that I do. But if you're not looking at AI and you're not at least wrapping your head around the basics and then getting more involved by taking the time out to learn what people are using this stuff for, it's not that I think, oh, you're going to get left on the curb and get totally left behind. But you you will be missing out on making your work better, even if you're, whether you're a content producer, a copywriter, a book writer, um, not using these tools, not just to necessarily create your content for you or to create your book for you, but to talk to it, to you can teach yourself with an AI assistant. You can um, ask it to sort of be a sounding board for you in the things that you are learning and pick up on aspects of things that you would have never thought about or come across yourself just using the standard, you know, search engine technique or um, other techniques out there that are even more advanced into doing online research the way that research is done these days a lot of it's done online you know there's still obviously physical things and physical books to inspect but again uh, for my network engineering and even content production realms that I operate in using the automation and AI tools uh, through also Python scripting and things these are all things that I'm working on learning and, uh, you know, actually start incorporating into my workflow. And then also I'm learning at my job job some new products and expanding my uh, depth of product knowledge in the department that I work in. And there's lots of products and I already understand a lot about a lot of different products. But in the way that things are changing in the world, uh, there's being 
again, more expected of us as we grow through the technology field. There's always new stuff coming along that you need to learn about. But now it's almost like with the tools available, we are going to be expected to be not just at my job, but any any place where you're at, really, you're going to be expected to be able to do more. You're going to be able you're, you're going to be expected to be able to do the job that two or three people used to do is going you will be expected to you be utilizing the new internet tools which we're calling ai which is a lot of content generation tools that are going to become more advanced so the point being if you're if you're pushing back on this thought and thinking well i'm not going to touch any of that stuff i'm not going to deal with any of that well you're really just shooting yourself in the foot it's like saying i'm not going to use that new internet finagle thing AOL, I'm not going to get on that. That that modem thing sounds funny. Or like, I'm not going to use a smartphone ever, you know. This kind of push, you're just resisting the cotton gin. You're you're resisting the next uh, giant tractor or backhoe that can really help take a lot of the manual labor out of what used to be done and now automated in a way. It doesn't mean that everything you do is now somehow like compromised or plagiarized because it's coming from an AI. I mean... In today's episode here, there's been nothing up to this point that AI has done to help me produce an update show, right? Now, there might be some copywriting and things in the email automation on the other side of me sending an email out. Other things I might use it for to get an outline or even an email and use it, maybe modify it a little and send it out. Because it's not all that important necessarily what I say in my email. I mean, that's more of a marketing component of what I do to try to help bring people to the work that I'm doing. And if they use email and they happen to see that the emails in the inbox, they might go check out the work. Um, I know I don't spend a lot of time, you know, scanning through social media these days to see, you know, to find new information, but I do respect people that I've signed up for their emails. If they, if it looks interesting, I may go out and, and do it again, the copywriting on websites, the SEO on websites, the getting in your client's head component, um, it's not just going to be generated by an AI for you, but you can use the tool to help you do the type of research for crowd, you know, crowd research on the people that you might be interested in working with for your entrepreneurial project that you're doing, uh, or creating some copy again to help save some time in that way. So there's plenty of ways to use these tools, which is what I'm working on doing uh, with those things. So we're going to move on now out of the technical area, uh, there's a small section here I want to talk about community. And again, obviously, it seems like there's something been lost with community because uh, there's people walking around, you know, always talking about building again, community that I don't think people back in the day, you know, used to go around saying like, you know, what I want to do is I want to go and build a community. Everybody would have been like, what? the fuck like what is this person talking about build a community you know there were the communities that people lived in and operated in and they worked with each other and they 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 did have a community and they did have a sense of meaning and purpose in their lives through the people that they interacted with i think in a, in a way going back to the technology has really inhibited and gotten in the way of our ability to just sort of naturally feel like we're parts of these local communities. Although you would think, well, I have access to all these people now and we have these online communities and there's this global community. But then 
when people kind of get out of the trance that they're realizing that they've lost this like local infrastructure, they've lost the actual physical things that they can go interact with that feel like community, the people. So uh, the community is there, though. The communities are there. And if you're drawing lines about like, well, these people are statists and these people over here obviously don't understand my hardcore libertarian idealism about economics and these people over here aren't staunch agorists so i'm not gonna and you're drawing all these lines about all the people that you're not going to work with in your community then you're basically tossing out the community that's likely already there and again working with a lot of like people that in uh, the truth and freedom community we call them all like statist government worshiper people they're actually, a lot of the time, more together, more sane, more normal. Not that normal is a standard that we should be working for necessarily, but people that aren't off their rocker. I mean, it's like, go and try to work with these only strict idealistic people about this particular aspect of how you think Bitcoin is the only way to do things. And it's not that you're not going to have, you know, great communities that are coming out of that or something, a movement or things that are feel great or even do great things out of those things. I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to create just 100% universal statements about how the freedom community will never work. I'm not, I'm not saying that either. But there is this uh, thing that if you just kind of lay off your strict position on things with people and just get to know the people that you'll end up finding a lot of really great people out there and they might not be in the cult that you came from or the thing that you, you know, and they're probably more interested in hearing what you have to say once they get to know you or through means like what I do here. Like I'll put out my opinion, I'll say what I need to say and I'll do it in a way that is very clear on how I feel about things, but I don't necessarily need to do it in those one-on-one discussions with somebody unless it kind of comes up naturally or in the very early stages of us getting to know each other. Now, there is some great things that happen when you do meet somebody who sort of gets it, right? Who's awake, quote-unquote, or sees the way things the way you see them. That is actually quite nice, and you can actually have awesome interactions and discussions with people like that as well. So I'm not, again, I'm not saying 100% one way or the other, But in a big way, again, it comes back to what are you doing? And there's the problem, again, is that there's the we need class of people in any group. And there's also the group think. And there's also the crowdocracy, as I call it. Or the problems with any group is that there's a certain number of people who aren't really thinking. And they're just sort of going along with the crowd and going along with all the edicts and the sayings of that group. But... It comes back to what are you doing and not what's the community doing and we need to have these other people help us do this thing. It's your efforts and things that you're working on that matter, not what everybody else is doing, not what we need and what we don't have. It just comes back again to what are you actually doing about it? What are the things that you're doing in your life that are changing that dynamic that you're trying to change or that you're having a problem with? And if it's building community, then then yeah, get out there and build the community. But going around and telling people that you're trying to build a community, you're you're obviously then going to find like the most minority freaking weirdos again in that area 
that are like the doomsday prepper or the economic collapse people is co- the thing is coming or they've abandoned ship and they're kind of freaked out and they're out here trying to piddle the way in the mud with their little garden thing and they didn't plan it out and they don't even have water hooked up to their house or something like that and they're hauling water right and uh well something that i've been interested in that i want to bring everyone's attention to now is the safe haven portfolio management youtube channel and there's also an odyssey channel so i guess i could promote that here as well but mainly this individual brandon has been putting out information here on the safe haven portfolio management and some of the things that i've been even discussing here a little bit more on my content is talking starting to discuss pmas and private membership associations and uh, trusts and things like that as a way that communities can interact with the public this in this case like the general public and like the legal definition of the public while still maintaining a sense of private and also legally protecting themselves in the private so it's not that i don't think that strict agorism is an honest solution and something we could do if you're familiar with samuel l conk and the third's work on the topic or things like i've talked about on earlier times of liberty lifestyle with permagora or Derek Bros's uh, holistic anarchism or um, the I forget the exact terminology maybe permagora was the thing it's like permaculture and agorism but then there's the wider community that we can can also interact with and give ourselves a sense of protection through using the legal system and I'm not saying Using the legal system is the way to freedom. That's not, I'm not saying that. I do think that the legal matrix is part of the problem and, uh, represent, uh, respecting all the flattering titles, right, of man's law and putting the authority in other human beings where, it, um, that authority can't be granted, uh, legitimately because you, you can't actually give away that responsibility. To another individual and say that they're an authority over you and legitimately make yourself a slave. These are just claims that violate the laws of nature, that violate our bodily autonomy. And uh, again, just because people want to be slaves in our system doesn't make it legitimate and it doesn't make it okay. It just makes them immoral, disgusting, sick human beings that are happy to be slaves and there's psychopaths out there that are happy to dominate over them. But you also have to be realistic about the world that you live in and operating a straight up agorist endeavor is a risk that some people might take in certain circumstances and other circumstances when it comes to like selling raw milk or serving food to people maybe you're doing a catering thing sort of on the side a pma a private membership association with an llc associated with it that is the public touching side of the private membership organization can help protect the members of that organization as well as still be able to operate an entrepreneurship type lifestyle even more agorist type lifestyle while giving yourself some protection and also ways to transfer wealth to future generations in your own family or in your own trust 
that can be a lot less tax burdensome. So you can reduce your tax burden and uh, also protect yourself more through these men's law legal mechanisms that I know some in this community that I might be speaking to are a lot more strict about, well, you don't want to use the legal system to try to get, you're not going to vote your way out of slavery. And I understand all that. I get all that. But I would implore you, I would advise you to at least go through and learn about PMAs and trusts in some of these opening videos that Brandon does, and then getting into some of these deeper conversations around the truth movement psyops, um, the falling into movement traps, as I would put it, that Clint Richardson joins Brandon later on in his discussions and goes through. So in the show notes to this episode, there's going to be a link to this YouTube channel and just go back and start from the beginning and check it out. There's a very limited amount of videos here. It's a small amount of time that they've been putting out this information. But I do think that this is a special key, a special part of building these intentional communities even, or coming together as freedom-loving individuals to give yourself a different way about interacting with the general public while still being able to maintain your principles and standards and really without owning these straw men things that you create like an LLC or a PMA or a trust. This is sort of like becoming the puppeteer instead of just being the puppet in your regular legal slave name. My name, Tyler Bloyer, is my slave name that I can open up businesses with and things and do business with people under that name. Or I can just be um, controlling a, an entity in their language, a person that isn't me necessarily, that can take hits like being sued or someone coming after my assets and things like that. But not only that, but creating some obfuscation on how... So if there is someone looking into how things are operated here, when they actually find, oh no, the eggs that are being traded and the raw milk that is being sold is part of... These are all members in a private association doing these things. These are all people that are agreeing to be in this or association with each other, um, and they're not out operating in the public. So they've agreed to be in that membership association themselves, and th their books and the documents and everything as far as the legal front of it goes actually lines up with the, oh yeah, they are just doing those things. Instead of it being like, you know, there isn't any of that protection and it's just your ass out there doing these things. Well, then your ass is on the line. You see what I'm saying? So you, you can pretend that the world isn't the way that it is and the roads are, you know, not the way that they are and that you're going to get out there and interacting with people on a level that would be looked at as illegal and think that you're going to be okay. Or you can sort of operate in this other vein of actually being legit in their eyes, which whatever... Um, and people can say, well, your pragmatic bullshit is how exactly how slavery continues. And the way that you're acting right now is exactly why. The go blah, 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 blah. And uh, I just think that that's, a, again, a childish way of seeing the world. Um, the possibilities of these PMAs are really quite um, unknown. And also something that creates a lot of opportunity uh, for things like this community I'm looking into locally around me, which is the OSR, uh, Arizona OSR Land Co-op. Now, I'm still looking into more, are these guys a PMA? What is the co-op? How does it exactly work? 
but I caught this gentleman's, and of course, like this website is just not going to load while I'm trying to talk about it. <laughs> I caught this guy, uh, what was his name? It was Philip something, and he did a presentation at the Exodent Build Land Summit. And so Philip OSR Exit and Build, let's see if that brings it up. Yeah. Philip Gleason. Now, uh, since I'm talking about this, I'm going to go ahead and put this in my show notes. But this presentation really did, uh, it caught my attention. I was listening to it while I was doing other things. And then last night with Cassandra, I watched it again just to get a review of what was in there. Because I actually saw an ad for the property these guys bought east of Snowflake, Arizona, near where I'm at. And they're doing another community out here. Um, It does seem quite expensive for people like myself and with my budget to get started into. But the community that they're quote-unquote like building, is I am highly interested in it. At, At least even, you know, partnering up with some of the people as what they're doing in a for other projects I'm working on with other clients, with their um, Liberty Consulting concepts of helping people that decide to move out onto the land to thrive and to not fail. There's a lot of people that move out onto the land and get going with things and they give up or they can't make it or they can't financially do it. So we do need help and we do need communities of people that are there helping each other to do these things. Uh, When I say we need, I don't think everybody needs to do these things, but the people that are, there's obviously a large number of people that are doing these things. And again, for my purposes, it's to create a more stable, long-term environment that actually isn't just a, a liability or even something you just owe a mortgage on, but actually starts to give back to you through putting meat in the freezer, through putting food on the table, through growing abundance from the land and through animal husbandry and, you know, the techniques of permaculture, creating something that is an assurance in a way, a hedge against the (coughs) unstable things that may go on in a food supply. Again, being a father, I think about these things. I think about what can, what, what it would feel like to not be able to provide or not be able to get food for my family. I do think about those things. I think about the larger picture here. I think about the bigger problems, about uh, spiritual slavery, mental slavery, about how we're actually going to change things and change the dynamic at all. Probably has nothing to do with just getting on back onto the land and doing all these things. But there's also, I think, rebuilding soil and rebuilding nutrients in the soil is a solution to other problems in the food supply, to the way that uh, regenerative agriculture versus just monocropping, just taking from the land, adding in all these uh, chemical fertilizers and pesticides. There's actually a way that's much more sustainable. And you know what? Big ag and big tech isn't going to necessarily get that done. That kind of does need to be done on the local level by individuals who have a passion around these things, who want to do these things and teach their children a different lifestyle and way of living. I don't think that I'm going to keep my children away from the technological future and the different various massive changes that our society is going to see with the technological advances that are coming along. 
but I do want them to feel confident in knowing how to catch food, how to hunt food, how to grow food, how to produce food, how to take care of the animals. And then if in their future life, they don't actually incorporate those things, they will at least always have the confidence of knowing how and where they came from and how to do those things, right? So, you know, again, just restating sort of the path that I'm on with my projects and looking into these private membership organizations as a way to then take the food to market that isn't just under your uh, your name where you're 100% liable for everything or you can't take those assets and keep them protected longer term and also avoid later down the road fees of things like a will and the arbitration and things that have to go on in the legal system versus having like a trust and keeping the assets associated with the members of that trust and not necessarily having to go through taxable events when those things happen down the road later in life as you try to hand off things to your family, to your grandchildren, to your great-grandchildren, hopefully, is what I'm, you know, thinking about the longer-term picture here and not just, not even just, you know, how do I you know, become more of a libertarian or something like that. These are things I think average basic people need to be thinking about. And a lot of the time we get taken off course. We don't understand a lot about these things because we're not taught these things. We're not taught how to remain free, how to stay free, how to keep your assets intact, how to protect yourself with their own shit that they pull on us. The things that these uh, elite fuckers know how to pull and how to do and all the different NGO and type organizations that they know, they're philanthropic bullshit that's really just a cover for them doing the same thing. We don't need to be a super elite wealthy people to implement some of these same practices. We don't need to be someone who has millions and millions of dollars that he's worried about hiding away um, to, to save some of it so it's not so heavily tight. You don't have to be a super wealthy elite person to start to implement some of these protections and start to understand a little bit more about taking back family heraldry, you know? And again, why the Constitution and the Second Amendment is about guns, but it's not just about guns. And it's arms as in also heraldry and status and not necessarily just the that you're always operating in the public and you, everything that you own is under your little slave name and they could easily be uh, more easily controlled and also easily extinguished or easily taken from you, these things. There's ways to use their system to more wisely go around it because you're using it already in certain ways with your slave name. You're already operating in that legal matrix with your moral superiority bullshit that I know people are going through listening to me talk about this stuff right now. Well, what he's talking about sounds like what he's saying is that they're that he's going to morally justify it. And it's, it's not about that. It's not about a moral justification of using their system. And I'm going to show you how I'm virtue signaling around how much better I am than you than that. No, it's about reality and living in reality. And it's like a phone line again into the matrix. Like, they had to have a way to get in and get out of there, right? And they used things to do that. And so that's a, a metaphor, an allegory for the legal matrix isn't just something you just ignore and you're a sovereign. You're going to claim that you're a natural man and that you're not part of their da-da-da-da-da and get your ass thrown in fucking prison because you don't know what you're doing and you're operating in all this patriot mythology bullshit and truther bullshit. And you can't even see it because... 
even me talking about this stuff is probably getting a lot of the people triggered who believe a lot of these things. And then they're basically a lot of the time just complete walking contradictions. And they say and do all this virtue signaling shit about how their life actually is when it's not that fucking way at all. Like period, the end, you're a total walking contradiction with your voluntarist, I'm going to be a voluntarist it, that just makes you into a mental slave even more, in my opinion. And again, I know people are like, oh my God, with because the, they're voluntarist and they don't think about it that way. And uh, we're going to go into that. So save your uh, poison and passion for me and the things that I say for the next thing that I produce, which is going to be an addition on another stone on the building of the picture of falling into the movement traps. So I did a series called falling into the movement traps. We are going to be talking about movement traps and the fallacies in the truth community in the next coming episode or episodes. I think it's going to be multiple part series on the topic of falling into movement traps. Again, we'll be going into the fallacies of the truth movement. We're going to start picking apart more about things in our own quote-unquote community than painting, you know, the picture of what's happening out there in the larger world um, of of mental slavery and of, uh, you know, what the government's doing or what uh, the different various dark occult forces are operating and how they're doing things. But we're going to look behind more of our own curtains. We're going to go into the realm of, you know, the anarchist, the voluntarist, the libertarian philosophy and exposing contradictions, um, exposing the lies, exposing some of the people that are propagating a lot of the fallacies in the truth movement, some of them knowingly, some of them probably unknowingly. And the purpose of doing that is really to elevate those around me who have gotten to a point where they are even more a little bit blind to the fallacies, to the group think that's going on, to the herd mentality within the even the quote-unquote truth and freedom communities, right? So that's what we'll be doing in the next coming episodes. So there's a lot of uh, snakes in the long grass, as I like to call it. Uh, they're, they're always manipulating, and I think they understand the psychology of the truther, of the freedom person, of the fear porn, of the prepper person, and they actually use that understanding not to help them, but to take advantage of what they look at as a bunch of idiots. And I can't like go and prove with facts and documents a lot of the time, you know, that they think that way. But we can sort of infer some things through behavior and through things that are said and little nuances. And again, the contradictions, you know, part of the uh, process of the trivium is to gather the grammar, yes, and part of the fallacy of the trivium is that you'll never have all the grammar, no matter, you couldn't live a whole lifetime and have all the grammar on any particular subject or something like that. So it's an ongoing thing. But there is the key step of removing the contradictions. And this can be done not just because you're looking for the raw, hard truth, but in your own thinking as well. So the, you know, logic step of the trivium is to compare various ways of looking at a certain thing from the from the presupposition up to the rhetoric but then also pointing out the contradictions and where things are obviously contradicting each other 
And it's not a sound, solid argument or philosophy or way of looking at the world if it's full of contradictions. Unless, of course, you're a solipsist, moral relativist, you know, hardcore atheist, hardcore materialist who thinks that it's all, you know, it's just a random big bang thing happened and there is no morality, there is no right and wrong, there's no... You know, how can I really know? Well, that's a different starting point. That's a different starting point than obviously what I'm talking about when I'm talking about things like natural law or the laws of nature or uh, right and wrong and morality being lost in people. These are obviously then if you come back and look at my presuppositions, I'm not coming from the place of the people I just described. I'm coming from the place that no, truth does matter. Things that you do do matter. There is a morality. There is an objective moral standard that can be understood and uh, discussed and thought about. And even coming down in philosophy, the thing that you shouldn't do is tell somebody what they should. If you infer a should, you're inferring a moral standard and a presuppositional worldview that uh, has something like moral relativism as an evil really as a as a as a total contradiction to you know so there is a there is a faith though everyone does have a leap of faith in that worldview and a lot of people don't understand even what i'm talking about and so they don't know that they have a faith or a belief in a certain thing that they are claiming to Come from, I mean, a lot of people don't understand any of this, so they're just a mix of total random shit, really, that comes out of their mouth. They're not actually... A, there's, no, there's no pillars of, you know, ethics, morality, f- logic, and philosophy built into the way that they're operating in the world. It's just whatever's getting me the thing that I want that's going to give me pleasure or not get me in trouble or get me the paycheck that I need or whatever. And so that's why we see so much moral relativism. That's why we see so much evil in the world because people don't even know how to explain the difference between right and wrong or understand what our rights really are, which are actions that are correct in nature, right? That are not things that are granted to us by governments, um, but, uh, I had a, a woman just to switch the topic now, and then we're going to sort of wrap this thing up today because there is a lot to discuss there. There's paranoia in the freedom and truth communities, what we're going to call the movement traps. Uh, there's the, uh, the world doesn't always work the way that the truthers think that it works. That's another big one. There's these, again, it's the Rothschilds and the, the creature from Jekyll Island and the, the Congress wasn't there to vote and the, the Federal Reserve is a private organization. Like these things just don't get questioned. Like they're just the total like God of truth is this Federal Reserve thing, you know, and how it's all. And a lot of it, a lot, a lot, a lot of the rhetoric that gets passed around in the truth community is total horseshit. It's just not true at all. Like, it's not a private entity. It's not, it's not completely private. <laughs> it's a government organization. A pri- uh, it's a private government organization. <laughs> uh, 
it's an organization that does have privacy and has by law from Congress things that they can't discuss, but it's still a government institution. It's not just, there's no evidence that you can provide that proves even in the Federal Reserve Act, when it's talking about the shareholders of the Federal Reserve, that it's, no one's named, and it's not saying that that it's J.P. Morgan and the Rothschilds, and but there's all this rhetoric that goes around about how the Federal Reserve is a private institution, is operating, and is a da 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 da, and it's just simply not true and not the case. But and the, and the people will freak out against this too and say, "Well, I read Eustace Mullins and the Creature from Jekyll Island," and. A lot of that stuff's not sourced properly, and a lot of it's just mythology. And I'm sorry to burst your bubble if that's the what you're you know hearing that for the first time. But there are things that go on like this in the truth community, the freedom movements, the movement traps that are not questioned just because it's being repeated and it's just like part of this mythology. And a lot of it's just total horseshit, and a lot of it's like Q. QAnon fucking PSYOP shit and it gets leaked in and there's just these weak filters that just if it, as long as it's coming from this influencer that repeating all the same shit that I've heard over and over and over then it must be true instead of like actually going and looking into the fact that the Federal Reserve does have an audit thing called the CAFR system and they do tell you exactly what happens with all the finances even though the whole Ron Paul cult basically will tell you the same rhetoric that they heard over and over. We need to end the Fed. We need to audit the Fed. The Congress keeps the Federal Reserve going. They're not just innocent bystanders to the whole thing. They are the ones that are allowing it to continue, who have put it in place in the first place. Maybe there's evil bankers behind the writing of the bill or whatever, the Federal Reserve Act, and they're involved, and there is these occult societies. The whole thing's a giant, you know what, PMA. Everything about our government operates actually as these private membership organizations. It was private membership organizations like the Freemasons who basically fucking started the government. So they're not... This stuff that I'm talking about with the legal protection and how you could probably use it in your own life, but you you won't because it's not in, A, the truth community Bibles of what you should know about this and that and this. And then B, this is some of the occulted information that's kept from us from a very young age onward. And then why it sounds weird, maybe someone like myself mentioning it all, because it's been hidden from you. That's why. It's not new information. This is old, old, old ways of operating that we have been completely dumbed down and don't know what the hell we're doing. And we think we got to do A, B, C, D, and the sovereign. You got to file the right thing at 503 and you become a church. And then you end up in prison because you did this weird shit that's totally illegal that was totally obvious the way that you did it because you're falling for this truther, sovereign, movement, horse shit that's out there. That's what's really going on. All right? And a big part of it is also psychological issues and giant issues that people have that are within these communities that, you know, we've been told, and I've been even told, well, being a conspiracy person is just having this like superiority complex where you just think you need to know more things than the average person. And there's actually a big part of that that's true. (laughs) Not necessarily about myself and my motivations, 
But a big part of the people out there that are like, there's always this conspiracy, there's always this thing. Now, let's flip it really quick, because there is conspiracy. I'm not saying that now. I started up talking about JFK today and how the CIA is responsible in large part for the assassination of JFK and the killing of his brother, Bobby Kennedy. But the point is, is that there are mental problems going on in the truth community, conspiracy community. There is the whole, I'm going to be more um, superior because I'm awake. Uh, Back when I woke up, people just love to talk about the awake, the awake. Really, awake in large part means that you didn't know shit before, and then you started to learn how the world really worked. Well, congratulations, you are now awake. Right? Well, you're not special, though. You're not special for uncovering a lot of the ways that things work that didn't work the way that you thought it worked. It's just a big world out there. There's a lot of things that work the way that you don't think it works, including for the awake people. There's a lot of things that work for the way that they work that the awake people think they work, quote-unquote awake people, aren't actually at all how they actually work at all, at all. And their lives are just shit shows. And they're not leading or changing anything for the better. Their lives are a perfect example of chaos and disorder and ruining children's lives and ruining families and ruining relationships with other people. Because they're so superior, right? Because they have so much truth to tell that they just ruin their relationships. But we're going to save it. We're going to save it for the freedom, uh, for the movement traps that we're going to get into. As you can see, there might be even a little bit of animosity coming from myself in this vein. um, Because there's just so much to go through. There's just so much crap that needs to be gone. And and that's why we're going to go in there with that shovel. And we're going to start digging out a lot of the crap and kind of go back and focus on this. Again, we've done work here before on falling into the movement traps. If you're interested in checking that out, you can head over to the website. And I make it like really simple. Uh, I'm streaming and I'm streaming a couple things, but I'm not sure why my internet's having such a problem. It really shouldn't. Maybe I need to get some of that redundant Starlink up in here, you know? But if you just scroll down on the main page, there's this giant falling into the movement traps, right? Click on that, and you can actually see the Freedoms Rising episodes I've done on this, back to uh, What's Wrong with Voluntarism and Voluntary Slaves is one I would suggest checking out, as well as The Struggle for Freedom, The Secondary Matrix, The Rule of Crowdocracy, and then a lot of this uh, extended work I went into on Freedoms Rising, as well as some walk and talks and things where I'm talking about these topics. So this is not the first time I'm bringing this stuff up, but we are going to go back and dust off the book cover there and get back into this topic because it's just becoming even more prevalent now, it seems like, with this doomsday, the collapse. Have you noticed that the collapse has been happening? Again, it's always going to happen. The giant economic collapse is here. The giant economic thing is going to happen. And you notice how it just kind of doesn't? (laughs) have you noticed that have you noticed how it's not really happening the way that everybody says that it's going to happen i mean do do you have some digital currency fucking thing happening right now to you even though it's it's july we were all told that the fed now thing is uh, dude they've been doing like cryptocurrency blockchain shit in the background the whole time they've already got it all nailed 
If you're so naive that you just think that they couldn't have had anything to do with creating Bitcoin and the government had nothing to do already with the blockchain technology that's out there, then you're just basically a naive child who, again, has their truther uh, Bible that won't go against anything that the truth community thinks and says. And so since the truth community won't accept the fact that intelligence agencies and uh, government agencies were involved in cryptocurrency and its creation because it just goes so against what your libertarian libtard economic philosophy says that it's going to be the solution then you're basically just again a naive child who won't uh, look at your own bullshit and won't think a little bit deeper than the surface level of yeah it's a tool like you say and it's fine to use as a tool but if you can't understand or even theorize about how it could have been uh NSA mainly behind pushing crypto or Bitcoin, then, uh, you know, I don't know what to say. I think, again, you're drinking the Kool-Aid. You're in the cult. You're in the group that can't look at its own shit. And you're just like every other thing out there. You're just like every other problem and group that you point at as the problem. And your shit is the same thing. It's the same thing. 99% of you are full of shit. You don't actually do anything to bring about the solutions. You don't actually get off your ass and actually do something to help. You just want to look like you're more awake than others online. You just want to make it seem like you are smarter and better than people because of the things that you know and say. When it's a facade, it's another mask, a mask that we need to take off. We need to get back to being real. That's why we're doing these Liberty Lifestyle shows, to just be real about how I am, just to be straight up, this is how it is, this is how I am, and these are the things that I'm interested in uncovering to help the younger generations coming up into these freedom movements to help avoid a lot of the traps and pitfalls of the freedom movement. So that's obviously why we're going to go into that. Now, to close out this show, because it's gone longer than I anticipated, but that's okay, we're going to keep it under two hours today still, it looks like, really close actually, a little over maybe. And then this episode will go out on uh, all the BitChute and Rumble and the audio feed. If you want to subscribe on something like Spotify or things like that, it's also a good way to see when I'm putting out content. It's easy to get RSS feeds of what I do. I put it out there. And even on IPFS, and you can also download the videos, all made simple by going to tylerblower.com and clicking on the post, and all those handy-dandy links are going to be there, as well as the One Great Work Network. You can find my work there. We'll be back with more on falling into the movement tramps, traps. That was just a little preview today on the rants that I did about the future things that we're going to get a lot more in-depth on. But I will say, um, again... I'll leave it, I guess, for another time, but we're going to go more into some of the service offerings of Within the Stones Media Network to show you what's possible for how to produce and manage your own digital content, something we call the DAMN strategy. So let's get your DAMN strategy straight, which actually is an acronym for Digital Asset Management. And we're going to leave that kind of on the side today, again, kind of brushing off some of the things that I didn't get to here. Uh, I am going to close it out with a personal favorite band of mine it's floater from uh oregon i believe uh portland oregon band that we're going to go into one of their more recent recordings at 
the Spanish ballroom. They did a whole set uh, covering Pink Floyd's Animals. So they did a cover on the Animals album, which is excellent. Those are really good covers. And then they did three of their own songs. And I'm going to use Weightless from Live at the Spanish Ballroom from Floater. This was a live recording. So if you kind of like it, you probably would like Floater. Um, I really like Floater because of the way that they're, uh, what are they described as? It's sort of like um, progressive concept album type music. It's it's rock, but it's more progressive, like a 90s progressive look and feel. And then they have a lot of variation. Um, that's one reason why I like is because they use like sampling and stuff in their songs, but they also, one song will go from like one direction to a totally different direction and back to another. And that I like, I really like that. And that the bass is also really good. And the lead singer, he is the bassist. So that's not often something you see. It's not like unknown, but it's usually not the lead singer who's the bassist. So he's also sort of like the lead, uh, rhythm, guitarist as well so he's got like the lead vocals plus the he's the lead in the rhythm section almost so um he's really a talented dude uh, robert winea and he's in other bands that i like as well they're like uh dramatica is one that's even more like a concept album uh, out there progressive um not so much rock even more electronic but again Floater, a band people probably haven't heard of. I've been wanting to play them into my show. At the end, I like to put a song. More just entertainment purposes. It makes the podcast good, I think. And it gives you a little bit of look and feel of the style of music that I like and listen to. I have a wide variety of music that I listen to. So even what I've played so far, like I'll like... My saying is that I'll listen to pretty much anything if it's good. So it doesn't matter if it's jazz or... Uh, classical or Beethoven or Metallica or, you know, something over here uh, that my wife has all kinds of music she listens to that's great, that that's good music that I've never heard of. And well, I'll listen to it happily because I like good stuff. I'm not just in one vein or the other, like only metal or only doom. I only like doom metal, man. I'm not one of your slashing you know, punk rockers or your black metal, it's the doom metal. Like, if it's good black metal, it's good. If it's good doom metal, great, you know. I've had my faces of that music as well. So, today, again, this is Weightless by Floater. I'm going to go ahead and get out of here and get out of the way. But I do appreciate you for listening today into the Liberty Lifestyle Updates. We'll be back with another Liberty Lifestyle Updates in August. And the next thing you can expect from me within the coming weeks is going to be the Falling Into the Movements uh, continuation. Otherwise, have a great one, everyone, and we'll see you next time. When you were young and burning under the covers And hundreds of lovers were trailing out behind you Time will move just as fast as you pull it Quicker than a bullet is going to And you play the hand in your keyboard Even though you know the deck is stacked And now you're ready for the next one, yeah, yeah. 
fiction, science fiction. We make no guarantees, however, how long it will remain fiction. I think as soon as we realize each of us individually, as soon as we realize that, that nobody has legitimate authority over us, that we are the author of our lives and of our actions, um, that nobody actually has political jurisdiction over us. Nobody is our master, even if they act like it, even if they think they are. In reality, in objective, yeah, in objective reality, that is false. That's not true. And I think that as soon as a person recognizes and accepts that in their life, I think that's the moment they become a free person.